Welcome to FS Air, the weekly teaching content of Forest Students, brought to you over the airwaves. If you've ever been to a wedding before or watched enough TV or movies, you've probably picked up on the fact that weddings follow a certain pattern. There's music, people walking down the aisle slowly, the pastor saying some things and the bride and groom repeating some things, then they exchange rings and they kiss and everybody cheers and then everybody walks back down the aisle. Then, of course, there's food, cake, dancing, and your parents talking to everybody while you just want to go home. But why? Have you ever asked the question, why are weddings such a big deal? Weddings are a big deal because marriage is a big deal. Marriage is a man and a woman making a covenant before God, family, and friends that they will spend their entire lives together loving and caring for each other above all others, having kids, if that's God's plan, and staying together to raise those kids and continue to love each other until they die. It is the single biggest commitment that you will ever make. The bride and groom arrive at the wedding separately, but they leave as one, a permanent, exclusive bond that is supposed to remain for the rest of their lives. They are to be best friends, teammates, partners, parents, confidants, husband and wife, as long as they live. And that is why it is so devastating and painful when a marriage ends in divorce. Everything about marriage, around marriage, within marriage is designed by God to be permanent and exclusive. The commitment is permanent and exclusive. The relationship is permanent and exclusive. The sexuality is permanent and exclusive. When those things in marriage go according to God's plan, it's like a warm fire in the fireplace that benefits everyone. But when human sin breaks the permanence and exclusivity of marriage, it goes from a fire in a fireplace to a fire that is burning the house down. It's not meant to be this way, which is why God has given us the seventh commandment to keep us as sinful humans from burning down marriage and family by our own sin. The seventh commandment is Exodus 20, 14. Do not commit adultery. Here's what commandment seven means. God desires a husband and wife to stay faithful to each other for life. From the very beginning in the Garden of Eden, before sin enters our world, God performs a wedding. Have you thought about that before? The first thing God does after creating male and female is performing a wedding. He gives Adam to Eve and Eve to Adam. And we're told, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and bonds with his wife and they become one flesh. Genesis 2.24. It's simple, but profound. When a husband and wife get married, it's more than just a ceremony, a kiss, and a piece of paper from the state of Virginia that says you're married. God says there is a deeper reality going on. A husband and wife become one. And this unity is supposed to be permanent and exclusive. Jesus agrees with this, and he echoes this permanence in Matthew 19, verse 6. 
So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. It's God's design that marriage is permanent and exclusive. And this safeguards the gift of marriage and the flourishing of the family. But because we are broken, sinful humans, people sometimes commit adultery. Adultery is when any part of the permanent, exclusive marriage relationship is taken outside of that relationship and shared with someone else. At the core of adultery is sexuality taken outside of marriage with someone else. This is what people call cheating. Adultery can be more than just sex outside of marriage, but it's not less than that. The relational closeness, the physical intimacy, the commitment to each other, those are things that are a part of the oneness of marriage that stay in marriage. But some people take those things outside of marriage, and it is a sin against God and against the seventh commandment. God wants his people to look different from the world around us, especially when it comes to marriage and family. Overall, the divorce rate in America is about 50%, and God does not want that to be so among Christians. About 25% of children in America live with only one of their parents. God does not want that to be so with Christians. Listening to this podcast here, marriage might still be years away for you, but that's why it's good to get a grasp on the seriousness of marriage now. God wants us to look at marriage with a seriousness and weight to it, which means we should also look at dating with a seriousness and weightiness to it. According to God's design, you and I get one shot at marriage. So we better make sure we are dating with that in mind, marrying with that in mind, and keeping our wedding vows in mind every single day. If I ever get to perform your wedding one day, this is what I'm going to ask you at the altar. I'm going to ask you by name, do you take, insert the name of your bride or groom, to be your wedded husband or wife? Do you promise to love and cherish him or her in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, for better, for worse, and forsaking all others, keep yourself only unto him or her for as long as you both shall live? Did you see, did you hear the permanence and exclusivity of marriage in those words? That is what God desires for husbands and wives. Adultery is the sin that takes this permanence and exclusivity and shatters it. When we follow the seventh commandment as Christians and uphold the God-designed goodness of marriage and family, we reflect God's love for his people to the world around us. The seventh commandment helps us protect that as we shine God's love through our marriages one day. Now, here's why commandment seven is good for us. It warns us to stay vigilant against any sin that could break our marriages, especially sexual sin. It warns us to stay vigilant against any sin that could break our marriages, especially sexual sin. In Matthew 5, 27 through 30, Jesus reminds us that, just like how we talked about how murder begins in the heart, remember our picture with the tree, with the branches above and the roots below? Jesus says, so also adultery begins in the heart. Here's what he says in Matthew 5. You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. 
If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. Jesus is saying that long before any of us do something sinful with our physical lives, we do sinful things in our eyes and in our hearts first. So the reason why people commit adultery is that someone else catches their eye and causes a flutter in their heart, and that person is someone who is not their spouse. Jesus says that if that person entertains that glance or that thought and keeps going down that path up here with their eyes or down here with their heart, it is as if they've already committed adultery. It's just happened down in their heart instead of outside of their bodies. This is sadly why some people leave their spouses. They've found someone else that's nice to look at with their eyes and makes them feel warm and fuzzy down in their hearts. So they follow those feelings instead of remembering their marriage covenant, like we read earlier. This word from Jesus is more than just noticing someone is cute or attractive. That's not what's off limits here. What is off limits here is the pausing, the lingering, and the daydreaming about that person. It does speak directly to men, whoever looks at a woman lustfully, and I think that is because we as guys are more prone to the looking, the staring, and the longing with our eyes. But there is also the application for women too. While women are different, and the immediate looks of a guy aren't everything, the connection, the emotion, and the romance that comes with a relationship is just as alluring. Jesus' command is to take every radical step in your power to cut off those temptations because it's better to root out adultery down here in our hearts than indulge it and let it drag our whole body into hell one day. You don't literally have to cut out your eye or cut off your hand, but do everything you can to keep your own sinful eyes and hearts from going down that path. For most of us, this is going to come with having a smartphone in our hands. So put filters and blockers on your phones. Stay off certain social media sites. Don't text or DM that person that you know you shouldn't. If you build these habits now, you're following Jesus' words here in Matthew 5. And you're setting yourself up for a strong marriage one day that will be vigilant against sins that could harm your marriage, especially sexual sin. We have to be honest with ourselves and know that even though we might not break this commandment in marriage one day to its fullest degree, we fall short of it with our eyes and our hearts on a regular basis. The hope for anyone whose eyes and hearts have sinned is to remember the words of 1 John 1, 8 through 9. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we sin against God, we don't turn and run, but we turn and come back. If we pour the sins of our eyes and the sins of our hearts out to God, he forgives us and cleanses us. Jesus told his followers in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's our goal, isn't it? More than looking at other girls and other guys, 
we should want to see God, not in a physical sense, but in a spiritual sense. And Jesus says that will happen if we have a pure heart. If our hearts want God more than this guy or this girl who's catching our eye, those people won't compare because no one can compare to God. One day, if it's God's will, you will walk down an aisle, stand at an altar, and surrounded by family, friends, and the God of the universe watching, you will make a wedding vow to your favorite person on earth. It's a wonderful thing to think about, to long for, and it's how God has created us. But remember that marriage is not the be-all, end-all of life on earth. You'll be married 50, maybe 60 years at most, but then you'll die, and that will end. But what is to come is the greater picture of marriage that will last forever. A husband and wife married for a few decades is just the foreshadowing of God and his people together forever. The Bible speaks about our relationship with God in the language of marriage. Love, faithfulness, promises, covenants, togetherness, enjoyment. That is what marriage points us toward. In the same way that we should never commit adultery and break our marriage with our spouse one day, so God says that he will never commit adultery with us. Revelation 19 gives us a glimpse into the future. In verses 7 through 9, it says, Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. Just how all of history began with the marriage in the garden of Eden. This is the grand finale of all history, a marriage in the new garden of Eden, God and his people together forever. No heartbreak, no sin, nothing to ruin it. Let's live this out now so we can be ready for marriage one day and enjoy our union with God forever. Hear these words from Deuteronomy 30, 19 through 20. I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. Love the Lord your God, obey him and remain faithful to him for he is your life. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to check out the episode description for discussion questions and additional Bible reading to do with your family, your friends, or your small group. And make sure to check back again soon for more content. We'll see you next time.